Walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Daily Prayer Podcast. Welcome back to the PCOM Daily Prayer Podcast. I'm Pastor Courtney, and it is Friday morning, May 22nd. We are rounding out our week on mental health awareness here on the PCOM Daily Prayer Podcast. And I am just really excited to have our guest with us today, K.J. Ramsey, who is a writer and a licensed professional counselor and has a wonderful new book out. K.J., how are you? I am doing well, and it's good to be with you. Tell us a little bit about your book and what it was like to to launch it into the world in the middle of a global pandemic. (laughs) Right, that. (laughs) So This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers is the name of the book. And it was born out of my experience that even when pain is not past tense, God is still present. And launching a book like that in the middle of a global pandemic has been both full of hope in a way, because it's like this place of uncertainty and persisting pain that you don't want in your life is has been my reality for a very long time. And so I know that there's grace for people here, hmm. uh, but it's also been sad and you know, not what I, not what I dreamed of, not what I wanted. And that's made me have to really, or get to kind of sit with parts of my story that still ache and find God here, rewriting it into a better story. Yeah, I I have really enjoyed starting to dig into your book. And it it's amazing because you wrote this You know, a lot of folks don't know how long the timeline is to get a book to publication, but you wrote this long before COVID-19 even existed. And the description of your book on Amazon, I was reading and just thinking like, oh, this is this God knew, right? God knew people were going to need this book and God knew that you were the person to write it. And just a little excerpt from that description says, over a decade ago, chronic illness plunged therapist and writer KJ Ramsey straight into this paradox. The paradox, if God loves us, why does he allow us to hurt? Before her illness, faith made sense. But when pain came and never left, KJ had to find a way across the widening canyon that seemed to separate God's goodness from her excruciating circumstances. She wanted to conquer suffering. Instead, she encountered the God who chose it. She wanted to make pain past tense. How many of us right now are like, let's make this pandemic past tense? Instead, God invited her into a bigger story. Will you tell us a little bit about that bigger story? Because I think many of us right now are saying, gosh, this is so uncomfortable and I don't like the uncertainty and I wish it was just over and when can we go back to normal? What what lessons did God have for you and does God have for us in the midst of something that is just so excruciating sometimes? So I first want to say I am there too. I would love <laughs> for this to end. I, you know, part of what this what my book is about is my chronic disease and I'm in the high risk population. And so I 
I might be like stuck in my home in my apartment until there's a vaccine really I haven't been in a store since March 7th uh I want this to end too and I've been sick for 11 years and what I've learned over and over again is that when I can't escape my fragility and my finitude and when I can't understand why my life looks the way that it does I have the opportunity of finding a deeper comfort uh, in seeing the face of God in Christ who chose to suffer. It, it's like our faith gets to become reality in these places of pain that we want to escape because we have to look to the face of God in a way that we normally are too hurried, too rushed, too self-sufficient to do. Mm. It, it is so tempting in seasons where we can be self-sufficient to, to feel like I am this capable. I am this much in control. Look how amazing I am. And then all of a sudden something comes that just, that just floors us and we realize how very fragile life is, how very fragile we are. And it's really, it's hard to take in sometimes because we do kind of like the illusion that we can manage it all. I like the illusion that I can manage it all. Um, and it's one of the reasons we're talking through the issue of mental health this week on the podcast. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about your background and how it speaks to the world of mental health? Uh, yeah, well, both as a therapist and as somebody who suffers or... <laughs> yeah, both. Tell us, tell us about the therapy and tell us about the suffering. Yeah, so... So I have a private practice. I see mostly adults and they're usually struggling with a range of issues from spiritual questions and doubt to like lingering depression and anxiety to people with diseases like mine. And I find that my own experience of lingering sorrow and my my own experience of finding that God chose to dwell there and that our bodies even, and especially in their weakness have great value that that gives me space to create a safe space for other people to experience that too. And for me to get to, I I get to bear witness to people's stories unfolding right in front of me right now through a computer screen <laughs> through zoom sessions which honestly are still i'm i'm can't wait till i get to see my clients again in person but mm. still beautiful still good and there's there's just such joy in the sacred space of seeing that every part of our stories is cared for by god and has value and is is worth listening to worth telling. So that's some of my, my background or perhaps passion. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I think I hear in your heart as a therapist, something similar in my own heart as a pastor is, you know, we are so hungry to be with our people, to be with our church. And Mm. um, I think occasionally there's the misconception that, you know, like we're enjoying this or we're, you know, we're not missing people. And it's so hard because we, 
we have to stay apart out of love for each of our members, especially and including the most vulnerable members, you know, some of whom are, are obvious, they're over a certain age, but others, you know, I, I think folks would see your picture on social media and say, she looks so young and so healthy, um, but we want to take <laughs> care of each other. We want to take care of each other. And um, that love just looks different in this season. It's the, to love someone is to not give them a hug. <laughs> to love someone is to right. not go over to their house and how that just flips our idea of love on its head and is almost hard to, to take in because it is so counter to how love has always been lived out. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, I find it really fascinating because it, it kind of plunges us all into the place that I think suffering can take us, which is you have to face your innate aloneness Hmm. in order to then find that God is here. And we each are having to spend much more time alone and feel disconnected in ways that uh, we probably have never felt before, just seeing so few humans, honestly. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that there's a real opportunity in this aloneness to get to stand somewhere where we normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and be in that place of solidarity with, with people who aren't like us, right? Aren't like us because they're 75 years old or aren't like us because they have a chronic illness that we don't or aren't mm-hmm. like us because they had a kidney transplant, right? Just to see each other through those lenses and that so many of those chronic illnesses and chronic struggles are unseen. You don't know that someone's had a kidney transplant unless they tell you, right? They don't wear a t-shirt that says that, you know, this is what's going on for me. And I think this season gives us a unique opportunity to find that compassion for one another. We can let it divide us or we can let it call us to deeper love. And that's the challenge that each one of us is facing right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a big challenge. It's a season full of a lot of challenges. Um, So as someone who lives with a chronic illness, um, what have you learned about the love of God through the just enduring the chronic illness. And, you know, chronic means probably not going away, maybe never getting better, right? This is something Mm -hmm. you are going to live with. And so the hope is not magic button, magic pill, magic cure. Um, What is the hope for you? Well, when I first got sick, which I was 20 years old, 31, uh, I, I remember sitting... And, and reading the Psalms, and really truthfully, it was more like remembering the Psalms because I couldn't open a Bible. My hands were too swollen. Mm-hmm. And I was remembering all the passages that say, wait on the Lord. And I was struck that I thought I was waiting to get better. Mm-hmm. But the, the words in scripture make it clear the object of our waiting is always God. And this remains true 11 years later in every facet of my life and every facet of my sorrow, whether it's from my disease or from from deep spiritual pain or relational wounding that I have walked through or continue to walk through, 
I find that the object of what I'm waiting for is the Lord and his presence. And I think that that is a invitation for us all to get to remember right now Mm -hmm. that we can confront what we most, what we, what we want with what we most want our souls most want communion with God union with Christ and Mm -hmm. out of that connection to one another. And I think that this period of longing and yearning and the wild gap between (laughs) where we are and what we want (laughs) puts us in the place where we can see again, God, you are what we want. And then out of that cry, how long, oh Lord, and where Mm -hmm. are you? We get to start to see he has made himself near Mm. He is in us. The object of our waiting is always God. Is so true and so beautiful and so hard. It's so hard. So hard. So hard. I, I've been thinking a lot of that story in the Gospels where Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you know, are you going to leave me too? And Peter goes, where would we go, Lord? Like we have nowhere else to go. And I, I've been feeling that in this pandemic, right? Because I keep trying to think my way out of it or strategize my way out of it. And there is nowhere else to go but to Jesus, right? There is no easy answer. There is yes. no quick fix, but Jesus remains. And how hard that is, but how good and true that is. And it's been really chastening for me to realize how quickly I often turn to other things when I have anywhere else to go, right? When, <laughs> when there's anything else to do or anywhere else to go, how quickly I am to distract and to numb and to... Um, just run through my days. But when I can't do that, God, God remains. And what a, what a hard and important lesson. And I wish sometimes God didn't love us quite so much because man, it's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. That is true. So how can we, how can we care for our mental health in this season? You're, you know, you're, you're young, but you've lived with this chronic illness for, for 10 years. And what have you learned about caring for your mental health in a season of chronic suffering? Well, I think that the, the first thing that comes to mind for, for everybody who's listening is that you get to be honest with God. And I think that's what That's what I love about what you're doing here, Courtney, is you're inviting people to make the Psalms their own. And the Psalms are full of honesty. They're full of the willingness to let our weariness be articulated and heard. And I think that often as Christians, we think that when we feel fear or we feel anger or shame, doubt, that we need to cover those feelings with the truth. Um, We have lots of dictums about your feelings aren't always telling the truth, all of that. And 
I think that the the fellowship of the Psalms, the, which is the prayer book of God's people, shows a strikingly different narrative about the the nature of our, our emotions, and it is that God welcomes all of our feelings and wants to hear about every last one of them, and it is out of that place of honesty that hope really rises. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing I would most want for those who are listening to hear is be honest with God about how you feel as, as absolutely harsh and unbridled as you can be make the Psalms your own, pray them with fervor and fierceness. Hmm. That is where your faith will move from fragile to full. Hmm. That's such a good word. The the Psalms, I'll admit that, you know, I've I've been to seminary and I've been a pastor for nearly a decade now. And the Psalms have always been hard for me because they don't, they don't clean up well and you can't parse them and there's no do this, don't do that. It's just this big stew of human emotion and, Hmm. um, and God's faithfulness. And I've never really known what to do with them until this season. And suddenly they are, they are the part of scripture that makes the most sense to me um, mm-hmm. because they don't make a lot of sense. And I'm so, I'm so grateful they, they are there. And I'm so grateful um, that they express things that sometimes I'm like, can I say that to God? Should I say that to God? Yes. And the Psalms are like, here it is, right? We're laying it out there. Um, and yes. yeah, I just love the way, the way you, you describe that is the, there is such, there's such fullness there. Um, and we run out of words, I think when we, when we feel really yes. strong emotions. And so sometimes the Psalms can offer us a prayer um, that's in our heart, but we weren't able to articulate. And yes. That's a gift. Absolutely. I mean, with that, for people to know, um, even from the mental health perspective, trauma steals our tongues. So mm. when we're, we are experiencing global trauma, we still are, whether you, whether things that are improving in your orbit or not, we're still undergoing this global trauma where, where our bodies sense the the graveness of this and the um the the end of our capacity to control and because of that like you are going to feel wordless about where you are but so the psalms offer you a way to name where you are mm. and allow that nameless wordless place to actually become a place of wholeness where your whole self, your body that feels jostled and disintegrated and detached and confused and buzzing Mm. uh, and your mind that thinks, well, I'm supposed to trust God, where they can come together. The Psalms give you a way to come together. Mm. What a, what a, and what a gift that is that, that is a really helpful insight that trauma steals our tongues. And I often think of trauma as just, that's a big thing. That's a tornado. That's a, that's a car accident. Uh, but there are smaller traumas too. And this is, a, this is in many ways a global trauma that we are all living through in big and small ways. And so uh, running out of words is both very normal <laughs> in the midst of this and also uh, a sign of the toll that it's taking on each mm-hmm. one of us. 
And normally suffering seems to be meted out a little bit more piecemeal, right? Your neighbor might be going through something one week. You might be going through something one month. Um, But right now we are all in it. And for folks who are already struggling with chronic illness or unemployment or mental illness or any of these things, their plates were already full and now they're overflowing. Um, and so mm-hmm. we we want to continue to remind our listeners of the resources we have available um, for folks dealing with mental health issues. Many, many counselors, most counselors and therapists are offering telehealth appointments and we have a list we refer to through the church office. Um, and also wanted to remind our listeners of the bridge ministry at our church, which is spiritual care and prayer in times of crisis. And often folks will do professional counseling and that spiritual care component too. So if you want info on that, send me an email, Courtney.ellis at mypcom.com. We are in it with you, friends, and you are not alone. Um, Well, KJ, I would love to hear more about your book that released this spring in the middle of the pandemic. This too (laughs) shall last. Will you tell us a little bit more about it? And would you read us an excerpt? Yeah, so... This Too Shall Last is, uh, as one reviewer said, uh, defies categorization. <laughs> categorization. It's, it's, a bit of, it's, it's a bit of my story of suffering and sorrow. It's also a bit of neuroscience, like we were just talking about with the way that our brains and our bodies work, and really an exploration of our union with Christ. And kind of hopefully all put together in a way that will stir you to think about your own story. So the little bit that I want to read from is from chapter, what is this? Chapter seven called Beautiful Union, Christ's Life Becomes Our Own. And this is a portion where I talk a little bit about my story um, and hopefully I'll make you think about the hard places in yours. Mm. Today, I woke with a groan. Those first morning movements, the tilt of the head, the shift of fingers under cotton sheets, an immediate screech of pain. Usually it fades to a quiet drone, but today it's as thunderous as the steaming water filling my bathtub where I stand, drawing my fourth bath of the week to relieve pain at an hour when most adults are midway through their morning's work. Stepping into the glimmering blue water with the iridescent outline of bubbles cratered under the faucet, I hope the heat will hold the weight of my frustration. I'm choosing gentleness, but I'd rather not be in pain at all. I'd rather not be here at all. I run a washcloth under cool water to cool my flushed, sweating face. Holding it there, cold drops stream down into hot tears. Is this a taste of Christ's blood-like sweat in the Garden of Gethsemane? Could the agony of pain, my small, solitary pain in a bathtub in a bungalow, somehow fill up what is lacking in his suffering? As the cool water mingles with my tears, my suffering mingles with the suffering of Christ. In the garden, he pleaded for the cup to pass. Oh, how much I'd love for this cyclical part of my story to cease but he trusted his father's will for the joy set before him for the love that would enfold me and you into his relationship with the father and spirit. He said, not what I will, but what you will. And as the steam settles in this small bathroom 
and pain presses further into my day, his trust becomes mine. I dry off knowing grace will meet me, whether in bed or at my desk, in work or in rest, in acceptance of pain or in its relief. Alone, I'd wallow. I'd hide forsaken in my heart like an inmate, counting the days God has left the child he supposedly loves be limited and lame. Doesn't wallowing often seem easier than remembering? But I'm not alone. We're not alone. Christ's agony and trust infuse mine with a potency I lack. And as I remember him, these hard moments tingle with recognition. I have been united with Christ. He is present here now. Your suffering may not drive you to a bathtub several times a week to relieve physical pain. It might not limit your ability to work, or maybe it does. But your suffering probably carries the same shrill cry of agony and the temptation to give up on God as mine. Your suffering probably haunts you with anger and sadness for all the wrong you seem to disproportionately carry. Your suffering probably repeats the pattern of fear to faith in more days and hours than you'd like, enfolding you in a dependence that can both dissolve and develop joy. In the place of your weakness, Jesus stands secure in the Father's love for you. In the circumstances and memories that drive us to doubt, Jesus never wavers in remembering we are loved by God. And when we allow our tears, agony, and desire for relief to remind us of his, we are filled with Christ's memory of God's faithfulness. In moments when doubt could lead us down a dark road, sharing our grief with the Savior who willingly suffered fills us with faith to trust again. It's grace for the moment, grace to rise, grace that holds us together like bubbles on bathwater, a beauty formed in tension rather than its absence. Whew. That'll preach. <laughs> I feel like I should end that with this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> oh, and, and to write that from a place of someone who not just has lived it, but is living it is such a powerful story. You, you write about the, the middle place. And often we don't like stories about the middle place. We like stories of the arrival, right? We want to tell our, the story to our grandchildren of, we lived through the pandemic and then life was great again. <laughs> right. And not all stories are that way. Some stories, the pain is chronic, the suffering is chronic, or at the very least, it goes on much longer than we would like it to. Um, yes. Yeah, I've joked with my... No, go ahead. With my husband that the, like, I'm like, who wants to read this book? This too shall last. Like who <laughs> wants to be told the hard things in your life might never leave. But, and, and, and that's, that's true. Like that story of that bathtub, that's where I am right now. Again, yeah. uh, not I'm, literally, but well, not literally this moment, but this it's morning. It's not safe to podcast from a bathtub. You could that get would be dangerous. I might die. <laughs> that would end the story. Yeah, but today. Uh, but but yeah, this morning and this night and, and needing uh, to take multiple baths for relief for pain. But the yeah. beautiful thing is when I go there and I'm willing to, to 
honor the fact that my body is in pain and, and does have weakness, I get to encounter again and again that Jesus meets me there. Mm-hmm. And it is his presence and it is his kingdom that lasts. And our lingering suffering really can be a spark that opens up our eyes to the reality that Jesus is here and his kingdom is what will last forever. And so I hope that my, my intense title does not scare people off because <laughs> that is the, that's the reality I want to invite people to. Yeah. Jesus is here. Yeah. And, and so often I think we do tell the triumphant story in the church. We tell the, I suffered and then Jesus healed me. I suffered and then Jesus fixed it. I was lonely and single and Jesus brought this person into my life. And when we only tell that story, we do a great disservice to those in the church who are in prolonged seasons or chronic seasons of, of suffering. And so many of the figures in scripture were not, that the problem was not solved. It was not fixed. They were not healed in this life. There are beautiful stories of healing, but there are also stories of Paul with a thorn in his side saying, Jesus, take it away. And, and then realizing Jesus wasn't going to, but that there was Mm -hmm. grace in the weakness. There was grace in the pain. And we have to preach both of those stories. Amen. So thank you for your 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 words and your book and your your help in in helping the the greater church tell this important story. Um, and thank you for witnessing in your life and your story that God is is present with you and to you even amidst such chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, we're inviting our listeners to pray for a specific group of people today. And I asked you who was near and dear to your heart, who can we invite our folks to pray for this morning? So as somebody who is in the high risk category, uh, I am thinking of, of my readers and the, the many people I know who, who do have chronic diseases, conditions that put them in the high-risk category whose lives are not returning back to normal um, in a way like that's uh, going to be longer lasting than, than a lot of people. Uh, so I would love to pray for both, you know, those who are older and in that category because of their age, but also those who have been having to be careful about their health for a very long time and, and now have to be even more careful and isolated. That's who I'd love to pray for. Yeah. Well, that's, that's our call this morning, friends. We're going to pray for those who are at highest risk for this bug. And I know many of our listeners are in that category and they have time to listen to a podcast because they're not leaving their houses. And we, we love you and we are going to pray for you today. And we ask that you would be in prayer for each other. And we, we want to witness how long this has been and how isolating it has been. And just, yeah, you're on our hearts and our minds and we will be praying for you today. Um, And KJ has also chosen a Psalm for us this morning, a Psalm that is near and dear to our heart. Will you tell us a little bit about which Psalm you've chosen for us? Yeah, I chose Psalm 126. Uh, It's, it's long been my, one of my favorite passages of scripture especially because of the sorrow that's been in my life. And it's, it's really what uh, made the design of my book cover happen. There's a tear running down the front, um, which 
when I read the Psalm, you'll understand a little bit why, but that is why I, I find that it gives a lot of hope for where we are when we're in sorrow. Mm. So I can read it if you'd like. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Okay. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord had done great things for us. We were joyful. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. The one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed. He surely will come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Uh, the, the breadth and the depth of the Psalms just continually, it continually amazes me. And that imagery that has very little to do with my daily life. I'm not carrying any sheaves anywhere currently um, <laughs> or possibly ever, um, but just continues to ring so true. And I love the reminders that even though Psalms will talk about things like an owl in the desert or sandals or right things that kind of put us in that, at least put me in that flannel graph Bible picture, <laughs> right? Long time ago. Um, but the emotion rings so modern and so true and so, um, and so deep and that God is the same. It's the same God that was ministering to David and to um, all of the authors of the Psalms is right here, right here with us. Mm -hmm. Um, and this too shall pass, or maybe this too shall last, but either way, God is, God is in it. Um, mm -hmm. God is in it. God is growing his kingdom that will last. Yeah. Yeah. Say this wasn't on the list of questions I sent you, but I would love to hear just how you've seen God grow his kingdom through, um, the, the difficulties in your life. Cause you share a bit on social media and you're, you're very vulnerable and open about your own story, but what ways have you seen God, God bless this difficult path that you've been walking? How has God used it? I think just over and over again, it's, it's as simple as finding that he is with me. And it's, it's finding that these tears of not being able to control my life and not getting what I want, not having my striving amount to the success that I dream for, hmm. letting my tears be seeds that God really is growing into a new person who knows that she is loved. Hmm. I, I have been changed. I've been changed by this process of sowing the seeds of my tears and letting my striving fall like chaff in the wind and hmm. finding that God is the one who grows me and sustains me and loves me. And I, and I find that in others too, as I make space for their sorrow. Yeah, that the time 
is not wasted is a, is a really good mm-hmm. reminder. Um, I think we all like to accomplish and we like to do, and we like to see the fruit of our labors, but that time in the bathtub, right, where you're soaking because <laughs> your body hurts is not wasted time. Um, I've been listening to uh, Andrew Osanga has a song called The Years the Locusts Have Eaten, that passage from the book of Joel, that God will restore mm-hmm. the years the locusts have eaten and that these these things are not wasted, even though right now we might look over the field and be like, well, the locusts have eaten all the crops. Like there's nothing left. Yeah. Um, that things look different from from God's perspective. And sometimes the locusts have to eat things so other things can grow. And those may not be the crops we would have chosen. <laughs> right. But they're, they're crops that are nourishing and good and... Yeah, far better than the ones we would have chosen. Yeah. Well, KJ, thank you so much for taking the time. I am I I know our listeners are going to be encouraged. I've been encouraged by your story and I just cannot recommend your book highly enough. I will link to it in the show notes. But if you're looking for a good pandemic read that is not written about a pandemic, but also kind of is, this <laughs> is a really, really beautiful book. Um And I just really highly recommend it and recommend KJ's work as a writer um, to encourage you and remind you that, uh, that God is in this with you and no piece of it is unseen and no piece of it is forgotten and no piece of it is, is lost. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, friends, uh, our, Worship director for the Awake Service, Jeff Given, will be on the podcast bringing us some hope from the Psalms, and he told me a story about bears. So you can look forward to that for our Saturday podcast. I will be back on the air with you Monday. Until then, take care, be well, and God bless.